How do you feel reading cybersecurity threat reports? Bored? Scared? Educated? For me personally, they're kind of a food that feeds your brain. The last report published by my colleagues at ESET gave me the satisfying, fill-to-the-brain feeling um, that researchers can do a lot to make the internet a safer place. On the other hand, it always leaves me wanting more. I have questions such as, is generative AI already fueling a boom in social engineering threats and possibly other cybercrime? Did another criminal activity pass the boundaries between the physical and the digital? And why is my Microsoft SQL Server always being hit by brute force attacks? My name is Ari Goretsky, and I'm ESET's Distinguished Researcher and the host of the ESET Research Podcast. In today's episode, I'll try to get answers to these questions based on the findings from our latest H1 2023 threat report. I'll be directing my questions to one of the report's principal authors and the producer of this podcast, ESET Security Awareness Specialist Andre Kobovich. Hi, Andre. Hi, Ari. Thanks for having me. Welcome back. It's great to speak with you again. So I'm going to jump right in. Um, sextortion emails. What's going on with these? They're, they're such an old threat. Why are we seeing them on the increase? So the answer to that is unclear. Our data is not going to give you uh, the exact explanation why this trend has started again. But there might be a few explanations that make sense to us, even though we cannot correlate that with the data. So one theory is that sextortion is seasonal. So even though other threats are vacationing, like botnets are turned off and stuff is not working at that time, and even the cyber criminals are taking vacations, and this is easy money. You just rewrite the old sextortion email that you have seen already thousand times. You change a few words, few formulations, maybe do a screenshot and attach that in that email. And maybe it will get through to some victims and maybe somebody will pay. So it's easy money. It doesn't make you or doesn't cause you a headache. The other theories are more complex, I would say. The second theory is that there are other vectors that have been closed in the recent months, especially VBA macros, zip files, ISO files, OneNote files. All of them had some flaws and bugs that were exploited for years, and now all of that has been suddenly fixed. So the attackers are still trying to survive, they are still trying to make some money, but yeah, the vectors have been closed, so it's really hard for them right now. And maybe sextortion is one of the ways how to at least keep the foot in the door and maybe they will come up with something more creative, more advanced later on. The third theory, that's just me talking here, it's, again, we don't have any confirmation on this from the data or even from the research team, it's just me, my, my voice in my head, uh, that maybe generative AI and its capabilities in translation and edits and translating this into minor languages, maybe that's something that might be fueling the growth. So has there 
been any evidence that uh, text-based attacks are growing? I mean, not directly. So we don't have anything that will point in that detection that this has been generated by AI. But the thing that we see, and that's overall the trend, text-based attacks that are coming via the email that you get in your inbox are growing, let's say, across the whole field. So, for example, our most frequent detection, HTML phishing agent, has been growing actually throughout the last few years. But still, even in this last uh, age one that we were looking at, the last six months, it has grown by more than 30%. The same thing for HTML phishing, for PDF phishing, and even specific brands that are targeting targeted. So HTML phishing Outlook that has been also growing by 30%. And it's interesting to see that the text-based stuff is becoming more popular with the cyber criminals and that it's getting higher numbers. Why would that happen? And one thing that really stands out in the text area is that the generative AI has be- has had this boom in the last few months. So probably, or again, it's just me, my, my inner voice saying this, but maybe generative AI is somewhere in the mix. Well, uh, I I know that we don't have the, the hard data as to why, but anecdotally, I'm certainly seeing the same thing just on the number of emails that I'm having to forward to our threat lab and internal security team. Um, I've noticed it's been on the uh, uptake the past uh, a couple of months. Any interesting examples? Anything that we should know of? Something funny? They're all very common schemes. Um there's never a payload um, that's malicious in itself. Uh, let me be specific. There's never a malware. It's always a social engineering component. Um, the last couple of ones um, have simply been uh, emails uh, telling me that I have a uh, bill on my credit card for renewing, um, in one case, uh, competitors' antivirus software and uh prominently uh, telephone number displayed uh, to call them if I have any questions. Uh, The scam there, of course, is to get me to call the phone number and they will pressure me to get my credit card number in order to reverse the charge. Naturally, once I give that to them, off they go on a shopping spree. Um, It's an old scam. Um, You know, we've been seeing it for years. But, um, you know, like you said, perhaps it's uh, something to play around with, put a a foot in the door to play around with uh, generative AI to look around getting around uh, spam filters. So, um, yeah, spam is never ending, of course. But are there any other vectors that um, we're seeing a renewed interest in by the adversaries out there? Actually, there are, and one that is very interesting, especially looking at the data, is attacks against the, that you already mentioned, Microsoft SQL uh, servers. These have seen an increase in brute force attacks, and it's not, it's quite substantial. It's like plus 84% globally. And let me be clear about this. Uh, Since the beginning of pandemic, uh, brute force attacks on any number of services has been on the uptake. So RDP, SMB, SQL, all were going up 
until the end of 2021 and then there was a sudden break and everything went down. Shortly before the Russian invasion, maybe connected, we, again, we don't know exactly. But what happened with the MSSQL? It started growing in this year. Not, it's not true for any of the other services or protocols that I have been mentioning. So SQL is the only one that has been growing. Maybe this is a part of some, let's say, scheme of cyber criminals that are trying to get to that data and try to extort the companies with stolen data. We have seen this done by ransomware, and you don't even have to encrypt anything. If you steal something sensitive from an uh, SQL database, you can use it against the company. So maybe this is a new scheme that we just don't have uh, documented. But also it might be the same thing that I mentioned before, like a lot of vectors have been closed down, macros, zip, OneNote files. So the attackers are looking for other ways how to get into the victim system. And maybe Microsoft SQL servers are still badly secured or misconfigured and put on the internet. So maybe that's why they are trying to do this. Interesting. Well, we'll have to keep an eye on that to see which way that trend goes. So th there's one thing that caught, actually, that's, that's a lot. There's several things that caught my eye um, looking at the threat report. But um, one of the ones that uh, noticed that really stuck out at me was it, it seems that we have a, a threat, um, a scam, a threat uh, that's moved from the physical world to the, the virtual world. Um, what's going on on the uh, Android platform? Is that true? We have seen Something it's it's more of a scheme that the attackers or bad guys in real life were using against mostly poor people or people who cannot get credit from their banks or some other uh, legitimate lenders, uh, and it's called usury. This is predatory loan predatory loans basically. So they give you extreme interest rate, very short payback time, and if you don't do it, like in you don't pay me. 100% more of what I gave you in a week, then I'm going to threaten you with physical attacks and maybe even go after you, stalking you, do some psychological tricks on you, even threaten your family. And we have seen this mostly in the poor communities, but it seems that this has really surpassed into the digital now. And we have seen it on Android, and we detected it as uh, Android slash spy loan. That's the detection name for this type of apps. And it's exactly what I said. So you download this app because you need money. You don't have any other way out to get it. So your family doesn't have it. You are not good enough for the banks or anybody out there who can lend you the money. So you are trying anything available. So you download this app. And even though you didn't get any money from the, the people who are running them, they will start extorting you and threatening you and threatening your family. And on top of that, as a cherry, the app will start stealing information about you. And it includes a lot of things from your, like anything that it can get its hands on in the phone. List of accounts, call logs, calendar events, um, even local Wi-Fi network information. So a lot of information about you. So all those things are being sent to the attacker at the same time, they are extorting you and <laughs> it gets really uncomfortable. 
and people see this uh, really growing around like in, in specific regions. So what we have seen as most targeted regions were countries like Mexico, Indonesia, Thailand, India, Pakistan, but even more advanced locations such as Hong Kong or Singapore. But it's probably mostly focusing on the countries that have uh, lower economic growth or the economy is not as advanced because that's where the most people are that need the money. And it has been growing by 90% that I didn't mention before. So I think it's really interesting to see how they are able, the bad guys are able to port something from the physical world into digital and do it as quickly and as simply as in this case. Well, that's um, that's certainly disturbing news. Um, one thing I, I would like to point out for our listeners is that um, you know, no matter whether these are in the physical world or online, um, these are crimes and they should be reported to your local law enforcement. Uh, just as if someone was trying to um, extort you in, in the real world. That's uh, definitely disturbing, though, to, to hear about. Has there been any good news in the last six months, or has it all been downhill? The funny thing is the detection trend is downhill, so the numbers have been dropping in the last couple of months and even maybe even the whole year. But the simple explanation for that is after the invasion of Russia to Ukraine, the number of threats has been going up, and since one point let's say april 2022 the numbers started falling and the fall the the drop didn't stop yet so we are just getting back to the business as usual and it's not a big deal but what has changed in the threat landscape and that is quite significant at least for me because i have been tracking this type of threat for quite a few years and that's emotet it went quiet we have seen it active in march but what was interesting to see, this thread has been always very effective, very advanced. They were selling their services to other bad guys. And the campaigns in March were really small, like tiny compared to what we have seen even last year. And that I mean, 95% drop compared to what we have seen last year. And also it was very ineffective. Why I'm saying this, they have been misusing uh, macros in documents that you click enable macros and you download Emoted and then further malware. They have been misusing this for years. And as Microsoft closed it down, you would expect some uh, a, a, an advanced threat actor to react to this by looking for new, a new avenues, new ways how to get inside. But that didn't happen. In March, we have seen campaigns that were still trying to push the VBA macros that are disabled by default now. Why that happens, it's hard to say. There's just one thing that we saw in when we were analyzing the activity around Emotet, and that was that in one of the epochs, that's one part of the botnet, they have separated them in two or three typically. And one of the part one part of the botnet had some kind of weird functionality, and this functionality looked like debugging output. So it looks like somebody is trying to figure out how the botnet works. And this really plays into the rumors that have been spreading online on Twitter or social media 
that this botnet or at least part of it has been sold to a less skilled actor who is right now trying to figure it out and running some test campaigns which are seemingly quite ineffective so maybe this is what is happening well that's something we'll definitely want to keep an eye on um you know hi historically um killing off a botnet has been very hard but um there have been noticeable times when it's happened and um sometimes the botnet runs headless for a while um and eventually the the uh, CNC infrastructure gets ganked and that's that uh, but still those continue can continue to run headless for a long time uh, we'll have to keep an eye on that and you know see what happens with it um you know I noticed one thing you didn't mention um was uh you know something I'd written about myself which is a uh, redline stealer uh, can you tell us about the disruption there oh yeah that's a good point uh another good story that we had in the thread report uh, our researchers, they have been working with other guys from the community, especially with Flare systems. And what they found was that Redline Stealer has been using repositories on GitHub just to connect between uh, their clients, the, the control panels that their paying affiliates are using to connect the control panels they get to the back, back end of the whole operation. These four repositories, we just noted that if you take them down, there is no backup channel that would fill in the void and like keep the operation running. So that's what our researchers did. They went to GitHub, asked them to take down those four repos. And when that happened, the whole operation just fell apart. It, it has been disrupted, like the day-to-day -day operation. It doesn't work anymore because the bad guys who are paying for that access, they don't have it because the control panels don't work. Of course, we have to be clear about this. Uh, we didn't touch the backend. So the operators, if they are advanced, and they probably are when they put up a show like this one, so they will probably find a way how to get around this disruption and how to set up new, the, these are called uh, dead dropper resolvers. They will find a new way how to set them up and connect those control panels to the backend again. So probably we'll see it going up. But the latest number, and we are recording this in August, the latest numbers are showing that there is still an ongoing drop in the Redline Stealer activity. So it has probably hurt them quite a bit. Good. Well, um, you know, it's it's always a game of chess or whack-a-mole um, with these uh, adversaries. So um, hopefully we'll be able to get a few more punches in and you know, who knows? Maybe we'll land the, the lucky one that knocks out their operation totally um, and or gather um, enough information for law enforcement uh, to do a successful prosecution. Well, Andre, thank you very much for joining us today. I look forward to the next time we speak, which I'm hoping will be soon. Thank you very much for having me again. And I hope to speak to you again on more interesting topics, not just Thread Report. Fantastic. So do I. This has been an episode of the ESET Research Podcast. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, contact us at researchpodcast at ESET.com. Once again, that's researchpodcast at ESET.com. 
ESET researchers will be appearing at the Virus Bulletin 2023 conference in London to discuss the Lazarus Group, threats from Latin America, and the trials and tribulations of providing threat intelligence. For more insights from our research, follow ESET Research on Twitter or Mastodon, or read the latest blogs and reports on welivesecurity.com. This episode has been hosted by me, Ari Goretsky, and produced by Andre Kubovic. Until the next time, stay safe. <laughs>